Satan is such a very, very anointed prophet of the Lord because he's, uh, um, he is very in tune with the Holy Spirit. And he loves the Lord. And he gave me a word here one night. And uh, he didn't realize he was in prophesying over me. And he started talking to me about what was coming. And he said, I saw the church full. He said, I saw the streets full, the parking lots full, right? Yes. And what, did, what else did you see? Um, I saw the Chinese. I saw mostly all of the world coming here. And there's flat screen TVs for the outdoors because it was so packed. Yeah, yeah. So what, all right, hold on. So before you share that, let me say this. So what he did was he starts to, and as he's prophesying this word to me, he starts to declare that he sees China coming and all these things. So Bill, come up here real quick. Can I show you how these things come together? Bill, just kind of share what happened today. Well, today in my office, we had a delegation of Chinese furniture manufacturers come to High Point to my office to talk about how we can partner better economically in the furniture industry. So, Jackson, China did come to High Point. You prophesied it, and they came. How about that? Isn't that cool? So we, we actually had the opportunity to sit down with this delegation and really talk about the industry and talk about how we in the United States can partner with them better and bring sort of an equal balance of jobs back uh, across the ocean. So it was really a cool meeting today. Yeah, amen. Thank you for that, Jackson. So thanks for prophesying that. And, oh, you had, okay, you want to share it? Go ahead. I had a dream that at a football game, I can move anything with God. I can move the football players to the right place. I couldn't move the hot dog stand. I could move anything else but the hot dog stand. And so it's, what, what did you get from that? Did you think that you were just, you, you saw God was showing you how much power you had? Yes. So you think we should really exercise our faith a little more? Yes. Okay, good. Well, thank you, Jackson, for that word. Maybe the football players are coming too, huh? Well, thank you, Jackson, for that. Yeah, you know, out of the mouth of babes. Well, guys, if you would, come on, Abner, come on up here. Would you guys welcome Abner Suarez? Thank you, Lord. Abner, we love you, brother, so I don't know what's going on. I, actually, you know, this is really funny. He calls me up today. He goes, hey, I'll be at your house at 515. I said, really, for what? He goes, well, I'm supposed to be ministering tonight. I said, no, you're not. I said, you're supposed to be here Sunday. He goes, no, I'm supposed to be here Friday and Sunday. I said, really? I said, well, Josh was ministering tonight. So I called Josh, and I go, Josh, please help me out here. Um, I said, I made a mistake. Do you mind? I don't even know how I made this mistake. but uh, So anyway, here he is. So we get double blessing tonight. Yeah, welcome. Hallelujah. Amen. Just checking, checking on. <laughs> well, great. It's good to see all of you who don't come to hear a speaker. <laughs> That's really good that you just come on Friday nights because it's a good idea to meet with God. <laughs> hey, uh, does someone here have uh, pain in your neck? Not your pain in the neck, but if you have a pain in your neck, <laughs> yeah, come up. I feel like the Lord wants to heal you right now. 
You also? You what? Yeah, I kept having this. How long have you had the pain? Years. Years? So you don't remember when you haven't had pain in your neck, huh? What's your name? Etta. Etta? Do you come to church here? Uh, No, just on Fridays. Just on Fridays? Um, Is there anyone you need to forgive? I don't think so. Okay. You sure so? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. I just always ask. That wasn't a word of knowledge. Do you have pain in your neck too? Okay. Come. What's your name? Pastor Linda. (laughs) How long have you had pain in your neck? Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, just shut your hands towards them. saw a month and a half ago a guy with, he had real pain in his neck he had broken his neck when he was 18 and he felt like something formed in his neck as soon as we prayed for him <laughs> Father in the name of Jesus we just bless these people we bless your presence that's here and just in the name of Jesus we just command all the pain in the neck to go, all the tension, everything that you came in here, everything that you're carrying, it's not of heaven. I just tell it to go. In Jesus' name. And just the release of your presence. More, Lord. More. More. More, 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 more. I don't know if you feel it, but the fire of God's running through your sp- Whoa, your spine. more Lord more and you're going to hear like you've never heard from this night forward in Jesus name and I bless this dear woman whoa all the pain go whoa more 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 And the Lord's just imparting shalom into your heart tonight. Shalom. You know, sometimes we walk through life and we get stuff on us without even realizing it. And so I say you're walking out differently tonight. We just declare your neck is completely made whole tonight. Because Jesus is so good. Completely made whole in Jesus' name. I had this sense tonight, and uh, I felt like it just wasn't the Lord just speaking to me, but I felt like I wanted to share this before we got into anything else. I felt like the Lord wanted you to know, and particularly, um, sometimes we're pressing and we're pressing and we're pressing ahead, and we're like, where's the progress? Where's this? Where's the breakthrough? And I felt like the Lord wanted everyone in this room to know that every time you worship and every time you lift your hands and every time you praise, there's something being broken. And, and it's like, um, I hate to tell you, like, but like sometimes spiritual growth is like watching grass grow. 
<laughs> it takes a while. Like, it's not the most, like, exciting thing to watch grass grow. But I feel like that's the analogy that the Lord wants to give you, that you're growing, <laughs> you're expanding, even when you don't know it. And that there are things happening to you that you just need to stay the course. I feel like that's the word for some of you. Stay the course. Stay the course in what the Lord's called you to do because you don't see what's happening. I remember about five years ago, I was like wondering like, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? And I was in this service and there were probably a thousand people in this room. And the pastor just stopped and he said, you don't see it, but behind the scenes, God is orchestrating everything on your behalf. If you could see the doors that God is opening and the things that are happening in your destiny even right now. And I grabbed that word. (laughs) I said, thank you, Lord, for speaking. How many of you have felt like... um, just a pulling and a, and a shifting in your heart. You can't quite put your finger on it. It's a divine transition that is taking place. The Lord is shifting and pulling everything that could keep us back from moving into the next season. And there's a divine shift taking place all across the earth. It is a shift of the people of God moving in a deeper way to the rhythms of heaven. And I say to you, even tonight over this church, I am shifting and I'm redefining New Day Church to shift and to move with the rhythm of heaven in a way it has not been. For I say to you, even where you've been, where I desire for you to go, you have not been. And even I'm shifting everything in you as a divine body to shift into the purposes of God. For there is a divine shift in the purposes of God. For I desire to impart my heart to you in a way I have not imparted my heart to you in a way that you've seen and moved in a way I, I, I want you to move in a way you have not moved for and that is the reason for the shifting that is the re- reason for the refining that is the reason that some of you say there's something happening and I can't quite put my finger on it the Lord says I'm calling you and I'm drawing you into my heart into my purposes to see what you've never seen before so that you may do what you've never done before thank you Lord felt like the Lord told me tonight. And I'm not usually just don't feel like always sharing everything just between me and the Lord. But I felt like the Lord just scared me tonight. He said, you think you've seen me, but you haven't seen anything yet. There are doors in heaven waiting to be opened by the people of God. There are experiences in the heart of God. There are facets of His glory that we have yet to see that He, he desires to unveil. What is happening in the earth? And some are asking, what is happening? And it is the unveiling of the Son of God. It is the unveiling of Him in His glory. It is the unveiling of Him in His power, even in the Western church. For I say to you that there is a shift and there is a divine earthquake even in happening inside the Western church. And I am redefining the church for a people to see me in a way they have not seen me. For the methods of man and the ideas of man and the ideas born in the heart of man that has gathered people will not suffice for what I desire to do in the earth. 
And so there is a divine transition, a divine transaction. When does transition happen? It's when you see me like you've never seen me before. <laughs> Lord, we want to be the people who see you like we've never seen you before. Lord, we realize you want to show us every part of who you are, but Lord, teach us how to position ourselves to be those people, Lord. Teach us to be those people who position ourselves for divine transaction over and over and over again. Felt like the Lord just just said, tell them to step up to the register of heaven. And order what's never been ordered before. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I even feel like just us standing. I feel like something just shifting in this room. Like just something just shifting. Just put your hand on your heart. Lord, we receive that shift. We thank you for, whoa, for your angels that are on assignment. Positioning our hearts, Lord. Shifting everything that can be shifted, Lord. For your purposes, Lord. (laughs) Lord, now open up the word to us, Lord. Open up the word to us. Let us us see beautiful Jesus. Lord, I, I need your help. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation rest upon this word. Thank you for what you're doing here. But Lord, we know that the greatest days are still ahead. So teach us how to position ourselves, how to get there, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. How's your neck? You're not sure yet. Well, check it out. (laughs) No pain? A little bit. Well, that's just not right. How much how much you think is gone? Maybe 50, 60, 60, maybe 60. Lord, you didn't die for half a healing. So let all the healing come. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you, Lord. I feel like um, the enemies tried to get you off track and just keep you focused on the situations and circumstances at hand. And it's prevented you. He's tried to stop you, but he's not going to stop you. But it's prevented you from just releasing even the great depth of prophetic depth inside of you. So I say it's unlocked tonight. And that you're declaring and you're decreeing Everything that the Lord's put on your mouth. And that you're hearing, the Lord says He's shifting you to have divine perspective, to hear as He hears. In Jesus' name.
more, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I believe that we're at a critical point in the history of the church. The Lord is critically evaluating the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in this season. 1 Peter 4 verse 17 says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? It's interesting that he says uh, judgment begins in the house of God. And I believe that there is an evaluation and an understanding of who we are and what God has intended us to be as the people of God taking place in the body of Christ right now. And it, and it says that, I'm, God says through Peter here, he says he's beginning judgment in the house of God. And the reason that the Lord would, would evaluate or judge the church even in this time period is because he has intended us to be far above what we are currently now. And heaven is trying to eradicate everything that was not birthed by heaven so we can go where we've never been before. The kingdom of God is the only thing that cannot be shaken. It is the only sure thing on this planet and has the ability when you stand in the kingdom of God, when you understand who the Lord has delegated you to be in the kingdom of God, it is the only thing that can shift the earth in which we live in. And so if we can stand in an unshakable kingdom, then we're able to shift the kingdoms of this world. However, if we're standing in a mixture of the kingdom and the system of the world, then our foundation is not sure and we can't stand in the middle of a world system and shift it if we're influenced by it. So one of the things that the Lord is really evaluating, I believe, in the body of Christ is He's trying to create a culture of the kingdom. His whole intention is that the culture, the kingdom is a culture in and of itself. And in the culture of the kingdom, the king has all the attention of his subjects. It's a different model than what we currently see in much of the landscape in the Western church, where the primary, uh, often the primary core value is simply meeting the needs of the people. How can we get them a relevant message where they'll come and stay and be comfortable? And thousands will gather around meeting the needs of people and you can have thousands of people assembled in one place and it's called a local body but there's no transformation in the world around them because it's simply based upon meeting the needs of the people. Meeting the needs of the people is not an unnecessary part of the kingdom of God. But when the, the focus and the highest core value is the king and his kingdom, you will naturally meet the needs of people. And so the Lord is trying to shift us 
from being a people who are a subculture. A subculture is a people who have certain practices and ideas, but they still maintain the values, the core values of the world in which they live in. And he's trying to solidify us and cement us in the core values of the kingdom that is practically relevant to the world around it. I believe it looks like this. I believe it looks like Genesis chapter 39 where Joseph is a slave in the house of Pharaoh, uh, Potiphar, yet he's prosperous. Joseph was able to, uh, he was able to keep and maintain and understand he was facilitating a world from the inside that could touch the world on the outside. And God wants us to be able to stand in any cultural setting, in any economic situation, and stand with the value system of the kingdom and be able to influence the world in which we live in. And the Lord, the reason He's evaluating us in this area is because He desires us to go far greater than than we've ever been in. And the Lord is evaluating us because He has intended for us to steward the earth in which we live in. I am not judging the nations of the earth. I am judging my people's inability to steward the authority I have given them in the earth. I desire to cause my people to be the shapers of history and the world in which they live in. In this hour, I'm raising up a leadership who will lead the people into uncharted territories. And that is why many of us are feeling this stirring and this shaking because there's something, it's not that we have, uh, at, at least for me, a very type A personality. I have to be careful not trying to earn anything, but I do realize there is something that the Lord wants to freely give me if I can position myself and my heart to receive it. And God is after destroying everything that violates love with Him. Everything that violates your love and your personal love with Him, the Lord is after destroying. That is the reason why many people are constantly frustrated in their own Christian walk because they never get past the, the point of just how something is going to meet their own needs. And God is treating them according to the prophetic words that He's given them, and He's treating them in a place of maturity. God treats you according to the person not that you are, but the person God intends you to be. That's why some people are getting frustrated, because the things that they used to do, even when they got saved... God is no longer, he's saying, that I can't have that in this season if you're really going to step into what I have for you. God has intended us to be a people who live in the world but are not rooted in the system of the world, but who could naturally overcome the limitations of the world they live in successfully while turning the hearts of people back to God. It's the reason that he raised up the nation of Israel. When he makes covenant with this nation, he desired to, that all the nations would be touched. He said, I'm making covenant with you, and by the, by the way, all the earth is mine. 
Israel was supposed to be a nation, and when Jesus stands on the, uh, on the mountain in Galilee in Matthew 28 and gives what we know as the Great Commission, he stands on the mountain and he says, All authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of nations. By the way, there was no other Bible then except the Old Testament. So the only thing he could be referring to was the nation of Israel that was supposed to be a discipled nation. Remember, he says, I didn't choose you because you were great or because you did anything great. He goes, I chose you to raise you up. And what he did, it wasn't simply just about spiritual things. He blessed them in every way. He gave them an economic system and that was supposed to turn people's hearts back to God. They were supposed to see this nation of people who are not the greatest, but they serve God and they had wonderful, they had great wealth, they weren't sick, and they were and the nations of the earth were supposed to look at them and say, Man, there's something about you. Who is your God? The culture of the kingdom is always relevant. Because within its core values is the ability to meet the needs of the people and answer the questions people are asking. So we're at a place where the Lord is evaluating us so we move from a subculture to a culture of the kingdom. And at its core is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I always like to tell people... (laughs) Part of the gospel is that you don't have to be depressed, that you don't have to be sick, you don't have to, do, you don't have to be any of that. And if you get into God's economy, you definitely don't have to be poor. That's a good place to say amen. <laughs> but that is not a reason for you to serve Him. The reason for you to serve Him is because He is the one true God, He is Lord, and you were wired to serve Him. (laughs) All that stuff is true, but any truth that trumpets the revelation of Jesus Christ being Lord is distorted. So God has intended us to be what? But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Light always outshines darkness. So what's the shifting for? It's so that you can be brighter and brighter and brighter and stand in the middle of a conflicting world and represent the King of Kings. And I want to tell you that there is a representation and a manifestation of the kingdom of God here upon the earth that the Lord wants to reveal. He calls it the sons of all creation yearning for the sons of God to appear that God would be glorified. It's not just about a revival. It's about the nations seeing beautiful and wonderful Jesus. So here's a good question. What would it look like for the church to be everything God intended it to be upon the earth? 
What does that look like? I've been really meditating on that. What would it look like for everyone in this room to have an anointing that would, have, that would see AIDS fall and bow at the name of Jesus? What would it look like to not just know details about people's lives, but know details about climate patterns? And, and when they had 10, before the weather service knew they had 10 minutes to get out of the way because the tornado was coming, you knew because God told you that morning. What would it look like? says that if they wrote everything that Jesus did, the books of the world could not contain. So you imagine it, and it probably still doesn't, doesn't can contain all that Jesus did. How are we currently stewarding the world in which we live? That's another question. And culture is behaviors and beliefs that characterize a particular group of people. We must be a people that are defined not only by truth that we say, but truth that we articulate in our lifestyle. We must be able to be people who have... demonstrable, measurable fruit in the kingdom of God. As we shift to these, to the people that God has intended us to be, I believe one of the core values that the Lord wants to give us is to be a people who live as though we're living with eternity in mind and living with an eternal mindset of what the Lord is doing that the decisions that we make this morning, that the decisions we make this afternoon have eternal value and consequence. Malachi 3, Psalm 139, Revelation 21. The Lord is writing a book about our life. There's a divine record being kept, and I don't know if it's an actual book, but I like the the picture being represented in, in those chapters of the Bible that there is an eternal record being written. And I believe that the Lord wants to stamp eternity on our life. A revelation of eternity allows my children to see my decisions according to divine perspective, which is my perspective. When I speak and make decrees into the earth, I make these decrees according to my eternal purposes for planet earth. I see what cannot be seen, and I hear what cannot be heard, and I, declare, and I decree and declare and execute purposes for eternity. I desire eternity to be stamped upon each one of my children. Each time that I act in history, it is for the sake of my glory. And a byproduct of my glory being released is, is the full purposes of, for my children is established on planet Earth. <laughs> like a domino effect. The kingdom is not individualistic. When you say yes to the Lord, He's got another 
pers- when you say yes and you are walking in destiny and you're walking in the purposes of God, there's also a domino effect taking place that he's using you as his chess piece, as his, I, should, I don't like chess piece, as his partner in an eternal global plan for the releasing of his glory into the earth. And every person in this room he has in mind. A revelation of eternity allows my children to have their affections anchored in a different world so that they can affect the world in which they live in. Jesus understood this eternal perspective when he walked this earth, Jesus had this understanding that there was a mission and a purpose that he had to accomplish. And when that purpose was done, it wasn't simple. If the only purposes of God was to get people saved, then he probably would have ended the whole thing when he went to heaven. His purpose was to create a way to restore us to our original intention. And then, because he went to the cross, there could be multiplication of millions, if not thousands, if not millions, of little Jesuses running around the earth. But Jesus makes this very interesting statement when he's praying what they call the high priestly prayer in John 17. He said, I have glorified you on earth... I have finished the work you have given me to do. That's fascinating to me. Because he had this eternal understanding that he knew his time was coming to an end and he had fulfilled the purposes of God. I often ask the Lord, I've been really asking the Lord, what will it look like at the end of my life for me to fulfill the purposes of God for my life? So we are stewarding the future in which we live in. We are stewarding the purposes of God for the world that we live in. The decisions the people of God make in the next four to five years will determine the future prophetic destiny of our nation. You don't have to have any sort of spirit of discernment or anything to understand that there is a critical time in this nation's history. Our born-again experience is to... Part of the purpose of being born into the kingdom is for us to see reality different than other people. John 3... Unless one is born again, he cannot what? See the kingdom of God. He cannot see, perceive, discern. I was in um, Alabama uh, the Sunday after the terrible tornadoes went through there. It it looks like, uh, if you look at some of the, just watching some of the scenes on, on TV when I was down there, or even 
some pictures. It looks like bombs just rolled right through and people lose their houses and, I mean, everything. Cars, houses, everything in a, in, in a few moments of time. And so I was just talking to the Lord, you know. Obviously, it's going to be on people's hearts that Sunday morning when they go to church. Family members who's, who've lost everything. And I felt like the Lord say, ask them what they see. Because what they'll see will determine how they'll face the current conflict. And we're called to see differently. There's a call on your life to see life differently. Interesting verse here. Hosea 4 verse 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I will also reject you from being priests for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. The Lord is speaking here to the nation of Israel and he's telling them that they perish for a lack of personal knowledge of who God is, but there's another part there that I'm going to touch in a minute. But they're lacking an understanding of the person of Jesus Christ. They're, they're, they're not Jesus, but of God in the moment. They're lacking personal experience of who He is. And I believe fundamentally that the Lord is really after a people who love Him with all their heart, all their soul, and all their mind. And that God does not know time, but he visits time. And in this eternal landscape that we're living in, he, he intended you, and when he saw you, Ephesians 1 says, he knew you before the very foundation of the earth. That's always a really encouraging verse for me. Because he says he not only knew you, but he chose you, and he saw you blameless. <laughs> Some of you didn't get that. I like that part because when he saw me, I'm pretty sure he saw all the mistakes I would make along the way. And he still considered me blameless. That's really encouraging. It's the essence of the gospel that he would chose you out of great love and say, I'll take you with every mistake that you ever made. But when he chose you, he also saw you in deep relationship with him. He didn't see you outside of that. Because you were every humanity was wired for that. And so everything that you would face in life, every difficulty that you would face in life, even despite the mistakes that you've made, they would always be viewed in light of what you were encountering in God. I don't know if that makes sense. Put it this way. About, I guess it's about three years ago, I was uh, home on a Sunday I was cleaning my house. <laughs> I don't clean my house anymore. I got a lady who does that. Praise God. <laughs> I don't mind cleaning it, but she does a really good job. 
But the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you know, problems are just an opportunity for you to see how good I am to see you through every situation. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Let me write that down. <laughs> That'll be really good for the next conference. <laughs> the next Friday, somebody breaks into my home office, steals my computer and every valuable thing in my office. So the picture is quite clear that everything that you're experiencing in God or everything that you're experiencing in life was always meant to be viewed in light of the revelation that you were seeing God in. You go to church on Sunday, there's a message on being prosperous and never lacking anything. The next day you get a bill you weren't expecting and you have no idea how you're going to face it. God sees you and he views you in every circumstance and every mountain that you would face and it was meant to be faced in light of who he is and what you're currently experiencing. The Lord never intended us to live as victims to the world that we're living in. That's why he just didn't throw it out there when he said, I'm for you and not against you. Who can be against you? Romans 8. If God is for you, who can be against you? It was actually not something to say, oh, isn't that great? Hallelujah. You know, that's good. It was actually a statement of a way of life. That's why he doesn't remove every mountain in front of you. He wants to teach you how to speak to the mountain and it obey you because no mountain ever, ever stands in front of God. And you're a child of God. So everything that you're experiencing in life was always to be faced within the continuum of the revelation that you're receiving in God. Because He never intended you to be below the experiences of life. And God is not thrown, away, thrown back by anything that you're, you're, you're facing. He's like, like, man, I didn't know that they were going to go through that. And even the mistakes that you've made... The book of Ezekiel says, as soon as you uh, repent of him, he doesn't remember him anymore. And that the favor that you have in him to fix the problem that you're in, even if you caused it, your favor is not based on your performance. It's the favor that he saw in you before the very foundation of the earth. Some people think they have to fix their own problem because they made their own mistakes to get into it. You weren't smart enough to get yourself in it. You're definitely not smart enough to get yourself out of it. And so everything, the original point is this, that you are supposed to be a person of deep encounter and who stewards encounter properly, that as you would face the situations and the mountains of life, they would always be faced and viewed of the revelation that you're having in God. And so that you would never live below the circumstances that you're facing. And that as you would build your history in God, it would actually become and become a place and a platform for you to say, I have seen the goodness of the Lord. I have seen what he did in the past. And this is how this giant is also going to fall. 
So they lacked knowledge of God. It was experiencing God. And so the Lord is trying to shift us from a people who have a knowledge of God. But here's the also thing that God is admonishing the priests for there. That the Lord's leaders were responsible for the people's lack of knowledge. One of the duties that God had commanded them to do, and we'll read it here in Deuteronomy 31, was a a reciting of the law, a reciting of who God was, a reciting of what God had said. And so we're at this place, here's a point that we'll make here. We're at this place where the Lord is causing leaders who will faithfully preach not only what God has said, but what God is saying. But also, believers are responsible for stewarding their own personal walk with the Lord, understanding the word for themselves, and developing a biblical kingdom worldview in the world in which they live in. I always try and ask the Lord, Lord, how do you see this situation? And how is my approach to life different than an atheist? Because many people have a spiritual Lord, but they don't have a Lord who has the, who they have their mind, purposes, intents for everything that they face in life. To move into the future, a culture must be created where we remember what God has said and what He desires to say for us to enter into our next season. Our prophecies in this season will open the door to our next season. He's, he is actually reprimanding them and saying in Hosea 4, he said, you, my people perish for a lack of knowledge and it's your fault, priest, because you failed to do what I told you to do. This is what they were supposed to do, Deuteronomy 31, 9 and 13. So Moses wrote down this law and gave it to the Levitical priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years in the year of canceling debts during the festival of tabernacles, that's the year of Jubilee, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. So we are to be a people who live out of the continuation of experiential knowledge of God. And I want to prophesy to you, I was just writing this this morning, that the Lord is going to revolutionize the way we train fivefold ministers and equip the saints out of a constant revelation of who God is. It's going to be in this environment of consistent, I believe, all across the earth, worship and prayer going up before the Lord. We'll teach a message on the goodness of God, then you'll sit for two hours and experience the goodness of God. Because in the kingdom, you must have truth and experience coupled together to create a culture of practice. And so he actually reprimands them for not reading the law of what God has said they are to be. And if we're going to steward the future as the people of God in this coming season, we must remember what God has said for us to be. Not only what God has said for us to be, you, I, I really encourage you, 
begin to open up your notebooks or your, your recordings for many years and begin to remember what God has said. I feel like the Lord wants to even remind you as a church, remember what God said five years ago. What has God said and how does it fit into the current season of life that I'm in? Because we cannot steward the future without knowing what God has said and what God is saying. And we cannot enter into uncharted territories unless we have a word that takes us there. It's a picture of Peter. That's you, Lord. Tell me to come. He's on the boat. We're on the boat. Peter, it's a beautiful analogy, but that's also true. Peter was on the boat. He was a fisherman, so he's probably used to being on the boat. The Lord wants to teach us to be people to move out of the place that we've been used to to do what's never been done before. What allowed Peter to walk on the water? Not simply that Jesus was there, but that he had a word from the Lord. And that word allowed him to take a step. And as long as he kept his eyes upon him, he walked on water. And did what no one else we know of in recorded history has ever done. That's exciting to me. (laughs) So what is it that God is saying in this current season? Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Really, the true reading of that word, where there is no prophecy. But blessed is the one, this is uh, Proverbs 29, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instructions. The word there is prophecy, vision. I feel like the Lord has a season and a door that's been opened to us in this season. And, and it start, this has been really stirring in me and it really became real to me in this chapter in this book I was writing. I, I was just, I'm always, Lord, what are you trying to say here in, this, in this, this, this discourse here that you're giving me? And I felt like the Lord told me, He said, for the opening part of this chapter, I want you to dream of what is possible. The Lord, I believe, wants to give us permission to dream with Him. Dreaming with Him does not happen apart from deep revelation of God that is stewarded properly. He tells us that we will know the things to come so we can be a people to inherit those things which are to come. So here's a question. What does it look like for you in this season to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind? I believe 24-hour worship and prayer in the earth is a prophetic sermon being played out of a people who live with a consciousness of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a sermon being played out. 
sermon was being played out in the nation of Israel. Cloud by day, fire by night. I'm with you. He constantly has visible pictures of what he actually intends inside of us. He tells Moses, build me a tabernacle that I may dwell. Revelation 21, the dwelling place of God has come down with man. But where, what happens when they build the dwelling place that God intends? The glory comes. What was the tabernacle that Moses built? It was something that already existed in heaven on earth as it is in heaven, started in the book of Genesis. David had what? A tent. Prophetic singers and musicians. It was very prophetic in nature. In fact, all the instruments were on wheels so they could move according to what the seer saw. (laughs) It's a little different than (laughs) seeker-sensitive. Jesus Jesus cast out demons and now we create churches where people can come with their demons. (laughs) Your demon won't be agitated here. Come. Please sign a card. I was going to say I didn't mean it, but I do. (laughs) What happened? The glory of God came. Seven subsequent kings from David who reinstituted Davidic worship found great military and political victory. Not an accident. David looks out and sees the tent one day and was like, man, I got this nice pad and you got this tent. I want to build you a place. Story goes on. God says, no, you can prepare a place. You can prepare so that your son can inherit which you could not build because you have too much blood on your hands. What happens when they build the temple? The glory of God comes. (laughs) Who showed up in John 1? (laughs) And the Word became flesh. And we beheld His glory, such as that of the only begotten Son. It's actually a picture. Do you not know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? Every place that God builds, His glory comes. Jesus made a way so that you are now the place in which He dwells. It's all pictures of what He intends.
And so this, the, the reciting of the law was for the purposes of remembering what God had said and experiencing life in a nation in light of who God said he was. If we're going to move into the future, we must be a people who live with what I call a God consciousness. We are a people who in the continual relationship with God are to meditate on what God has said and what he is saying. What God has said we are to become becomes a standard by which we view the experiences of life. It is also to create a a culture where the testimony of the Lord is our highest standard. This has just been really interesting to me. I went two weeks in a row where people said really nice things to me, and I'm like, that's not the person you're talking about. But I would like to become that person. So I began meditating on the reality of what it would look like for me to become that person because I felt like it was a prophetic invitation to become that person. Sometimes I get scared listening to prophetic words because I'm like, that's not me. (laughs) This was a consistent fabric in the life of who the nation of Israel was to be. This is Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. Jesus quotes this in Matthew 22. But listen to what uh, immediately he says of one of the ways that you're supposed to love God. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. How will they be in your heart? You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. When you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. It says again, remember my words with your whole being. Write them down. Tie them to your hands as a sign. Tie them on your foreheads to remind you. Teach them well to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the doors and gates so that both you and your children will live a long time in the land the Lord your God promised as an ancestors as long as the skies are above the earth. interesting there because when we focus on something and when we focus on partnering with God to take that place to take that area for God he doesn't just want you to allow you to take it he wants you to teach you how to live in the land of breakthrough over and over again and how do you do that by constantly reminding yourself of what God has said about you and where he has said that you're going. It doesn't mean that we don't mourn with those who mourn. It just means that we encourage them with what God has said. I believe the Lord wants to change the language of the church so we can look more like a culture of people who live from heaven towards earth. 
you're in the back, you come into church on Sunday morning, and you say, oh man, I lost my job this week. Man, I'm really sorry to hear that. But God says you're the head and not the tail. You know, about three years ago, I thought I thought I had my I thought I had this great job. I'd been in it for ten years, but you know what? It was actually the Lord transitioning to give me a job where I make twice as much now. That's how we're supposed to live life. Constantly encouraging ourselves, constantly speaking of the ways of the Lord, constantly evaluating how we view. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Because what you see will determine where we go. Biblical meditation causes truth to be made a reality. Faith comes how? By hearing. Faith becomes substance to what God intends to be made available to you. When we meditate on the reality of God, it's not just mere words. It's actually a creative pathway being created for you to enter into your future. Why do you think the prophets prophesied over and over again about the coming Messiah in the Old Testament? It was creating a realm for which it to happen upon the earth. Heaven was speaking it, and there was a man on the earth declaring it so it could be possible. The Lord, there are realms in heaven that the Lord wants us to capture so they can be made possible here upon the earth. Words create a pathway for the light of God to move out all darkness that stands in front of us as a people. Joshua 1, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. It's interesting that God over and over again articulated to the nation of Israel, I have given you this land, I have given you this land. Yet they still had to keep their eyes upon him and meditate on what he had said. And they needed to be courageous. We'll need to be courageous. We'll need to have encounters that make us a people who can be courageous in a moment that we've never been in. Do not turn to the right or the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate again, meditate it day and night. I was facing a challenge in our ministry a few months ago and I began to think about this and I just began to reflect on the goodness of the Lord in this particular area and how he had proved himself faithful over and over again. So what I began to do, just and I actually, I, I'm a very visual person, so I actually took out something that represented this and showed me what the Lord had done in the past. Lord, thank you how you did this this season and this season. You did it over and over again. And I thank you, Lord, because that's my prophecy for the next season. And I thank you that your promises don't remain void. And I thank you that that is propelling us into the next season. You say, well, never, I, I'm, I'm seeking a breakthrough in this area I've never gotten. Well, then you have a word from the Lord. 
but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make meditation creates a way for you to live out truth. Then you will make your word prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord wants to empower you to be a courageous person to go where we've never gone before. And going where we've never gone before is not a place but a constant journey. Because the walls of Jericho came down, yet they didn't fulfill everything that the Lord had said for them. Here's a thought. What if everybody in High Point got saved? The work would still not be done. What sort of structure is in place if there was a thousand people in this room tonight all coming to New Day Church? How would we steward them in the destiny that God has given them? Here's the last point. Biblical meditation causes us to dream with God. When you begin to meditate on what is possible in God and what God has said that He wants things to take place or wants things to take place in our community and you're constantly meditating on that reality, it begins to build faith for you to step into the person that God intends for you to be and causes you to come alive to dream with what's possible. There's this interesting tension in the kingdom where he desires us to dream with him, but we always know that we need him. It's like the more I think of what could become, the more I realize I really need him. He doesn't operate out of principle, he operates out of relationship. why he says he's given us permission to dream with him yet he tells you you're blessed when you recognize your need for him there are not competing ideas they're actually perfectly congruent in the kingdom of God last verse I am the vine you are the branches when you're joined with me I'm with you The relation and intimate organic harvest is sure to be abundant. This is the message. (laughs) Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who is separate from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. Jesus is a whole lot plainer than we make him out to be. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, listen to what he says, if you make yourself at home with me and my words are at home in you. It's a whole lot bigger than just believing a prophetic word. It's living in the consciousness of that prophetic word. Living in the consciousness of what you're experiencing in him in light of the mountains in front of you. Because then he says this, 
you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who He is when you, pro- when you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. I believe God wants to mature us as a people, to teach us how to be people who create and co-labor with God to create the future with Him. And part of that key, I believe, is living with a God consciousness. Lord, thanks. Musicians, come up. Just play. Did Tom leave? I thought I was going to have to put a quarter in the jukebox machine. (laughs) Lord, thanks. I declare that tonight you're dreaming with God in a new way. I call forth prophetic promises upon your life from five, from ten, from ten, twelve years ago. And I call them forth to your remembrance because they are what God says you are. They are what God has said you are and they are what God has intended you to be. And I declare that every obstacle, every mountain in front of you is falling and bowing at the name of Jesus. I declare that in this season of your life, every obstacle that you're facing is now being faced in light of the revelation that you're seeing in God and that you're living with the God consciousness. It's all like eyeglasses just being put on everyone in this room. I say that your vision is clearer and that your eyes are open. First of all, your eyes are open to see a deep revelation of the face of God over and over again. I say that there are realms and facets of Him that you've never seen that are available for you. I say that your time is being streamlined so that you may see as He sees. That as you give yourself over to the purposes of God for this season, you're encountering what you've never encountered. And you're hearing what you've never heard. I declare divine life is being breathed upon you tonight in the name of Jesus. And I declare that we are becoming a people who are stewarding the hour in which we live in. Lord, we say tonight that Washington, D.C. is coming alignment with the purposes of God in the name of Jesus. We say that this nation was a nation founded on acknowledging you and we acknowledge you. We ask for mercy in this nation. We ask for terrorist plots to be exposed in the name of Jesus. We ask for economic situations to turn back to the heart of God in the name of Jesus.
I just feel all across this room, let's just stand and just open our mouth and begin to worship the Lord as they play. There's something behind that tonight. Thank you, Lord. Just open your mouth. Just begin to worship the Lord. Just begin to worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Open your mouth. Something needs to be released tonight in the name of Jesus. just want to spend, I feel like the leading of the Lord tonight is just spend just extensive time just praying for impartation tonight. There's a, an anointing in this room just to release you into the next place, into the next place that God has for you. I want to, um, I want to uh, lay hands on everyone who wants prayer tonight. So the, the angel, whoa, the angels of God are here to minister to you. There's breakthrough here tonight. So if you would just want prayer, just come and, and just just come. We'll pray for everyone who wants prayer tonight. And just guys, just just play. Let's let's just just begin the worship, Lord. When you come, just keep your eyes focused on Him. He's the one who's going to Stay there. Stay there. There's something on that tonight. When you come, just begin to worship the Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. If you have sickness or disease in your body, I encourage you to come too. The Lord's going to heal bodies tonight in the name of Jesus. this picture here uh, I just saw like uh, I feel like many of you are going to get like spiritual glasses put upon you to to see even greater measure many of you just you constantly focused on the problem and God wants you to see over the problem in every situation thank you Lord thank you Lord so just lift your hands Father in the name of Jesus thank you hungry people. I ask for your glory to come increase. We welcome your angels that are here, your angelic hosts that are here on assignment, and I thank you for heavenly glasses being downloaded into people, and I ask for your presence to come. I just believe that word over my life that I'll go around the world laying hands upon people and just releasing his presence and his glory. So I just say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fire! 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 Whoa! More, Lord. Increase your presence, Lord. 